everyone, and welcome to the Ohio for Jesus podcast. This podcast is a resource of the Assemblies of God Ohio Ministry Network. I'm Tara Zimmer, the Communications Director, and throughout this podcast, you will hear from several of our directors and presbyters as we lead conversations and interviews to help equip and inspire you as you endeavor to reach Ohio for Jesus. I hope you enjoy this conversation and make sure to hit follow so you don't miss an episode. My name is Pastor Al Yano. I am the Church Multiplication Director for the Ohio Ministry Network, and we want to invite you and welcome you to the Ohio for Jesus podcast. So today we're going to be focusing in on the topic of fresh expressions of the church in a changing culture. And one of those fresh expressions that we're trying to help the church kind of revisit, because it's really not fresh. I guess it's a fresh vi- revisit to a first century model that Jesus and the disciples used to multiply the church all over the earth, right in the midst of persecution, right in the midst of Jewish rejection, right, going on. The church was under so much heat, but yet they were multiplying using a model that we call today dinner church. I think back then in the first century, we would call it you know, the agape love feast and meeting together house to house. So I have with me here today, Pastor Carl Boschbees, who is the dinner church coordinator for the state of Ohio. And uh, also James Turner, who we're going to call the dinner church utility man. (laughs) So James has got several different types of dinner churches going on. And so let's just um, take a moment real quick uh, to have Carl, first of all, introduce your background in dinner church in a couple minutes here and what you're doing with us in Ohio. Well, thank you, Al. Um, my, my introduction to dinner church comes from when I was pastoring a small rural church in Wisconsin in a town of 503. Our, our ministry area, however, was our school network, which was a total population of 1,200 people. And we realized at one point that our church was no longer being effective in reaching unsaved people in our ministry area. So after having tried all the things that they uh, tell you you have to try or you should try with none of them working, uh, our CMN director in Wisconsin told me about this dinner church thing, which I liked because it has two of my favorite words put together. And so (laughs) we we began to explore that. And uh, within the next year, we we launched our first dinner church in that community of 1200 and uh, we were told that we could expect maybe 20 people coming after a year coming regularly well after about five or six months we had 125 people coming every time we opened the doors for uh, for the dinner church so we were reaching 12 or 10 percent of our population After that, we launched two more, one in a village down the road, the other one in our local high school to try to reach uh, young people as they were coming from practices, rehearsals, et cetera. And uh, unfortunately had to close the high school one due to COVID, but the other two are still prospering. And uh, I was asked to come to Ohio to help lead the dinner church effort in the uh, OCMN and we're here, and in the past year, we've launched right around 16 dinner churches in the state of Ohio. Excellent, excellent. So 
we're going to dig in a little bit more on, on some of the thoughts around dinner church, but I want to introduce everybody to James Turner, uh, U.S. missionary. Um, what is your official title in U.S. missions, James? Yeah, uh, we're uh, nationally appointed U.S. missionaries, and we're under church mobilization. And um, I, I was under, I came under first as a church planner and a development but that department was done away with and then i came into church mobilization which is exactly what we've been doing the last 16 years is mobilizing the body of christ yeah very accurate very accurate so james tell us give us an introduction to under the church uh dinner church under the bridge and the yeah. other sites that you're doing yeah absolutely thank you al uh so we you know we've been doing um inner city ministry for the past 16 years and um even though we never called it dinner church for the first um 14 plus years of that we've actually established dinner church models um throughout america and several different states and in, in ohio kentucky detroit michigan phoenix arizona we were there five years and um these things work i mean we've we planted some in the hood and ministering to families we've uh, planted others in the projects We've planted uh, many of them uh, ministering to thousands of homeless people. And just within the last 16 years, we've literally ministered over half a million people that are not coming into the church buildings and we're having church with them every week. And they call that their church, right? Absolutely. They own it. They set up, they tear down. Uh, many of these, uh, the, the family ones, they're bringing food and, and being a big part of that. Give us a snapshot of... Um what dinner church under the bridge would look like on a typical night yeah so uh, we do dinner church under the bridge um under i-75 on third street one block away from the cincinnati Bengals stadium the city literally given us the keys to that lot and that's the only thing that lot is used for is ours and so we set up tables um, round tables and buckets and um, food tables and we got a big mobile clothes unit that comes out we have a haircut unit that comes out to give free haircuts and literally hundreds of homeless people from around the city and about a hundred um, workers come every Monday night. And then on Thursday is a little smaller because it's a newer one. But on Monday nights, we have anywhere between 200 and 350 people that comes every Monday night. See, that's amazing. And two things stand out there, James, maybe you can speak to them. Dinner church under the bridge, even in the wintertime. Yep is widely popular among the homeless population and the guests that come, but it's also widely popular among volunteers. So Absolutely. explain to me why people are coming out in the freezing cold weather under a bridge, which drawing yep. them volunteers and guests. Yeah. So we, we strategically plant these things in the right locations. Um, this one that's under the bridge is literally two blocks away from the biggest homeless shelter in Cincinnati. And, and so it's a perfect location and it doesn't matter if it's freezing cold when, when it was a ice storm out, we were there and still had over 150 people show up in an ice storm. Last week, it was a pouring down the rain. I mean, it was, it was powerful. Everybody was under the bridge. Everyone came and we were all trapped there under the bridge. Nobody wanted to leave. And we literally had revival for two nice. hours. Nobody left. Nice. What would you say is the is is the draw for just volunteers and churches? Why are they coming out? So um, I believe that people loves to be a part of reaching their city. You know, we have a vision of yeah. 
not just having church. And that's the problem with a lot of churches around America. They love having church. Yes. We're, we're called to be the church as well. And I love having church. Don't get me wrong. I love having church, but we, with six days a week, we got to go be the church. Yes. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we, we offer as we mobilize the body of Christ to actually do what we're supposed to be doing during the other six days of the week is going out and uh, reaching our communities for Christ. And um, so that I think um, most of these volunteers that come, they're coming from all kinds of um, churches in the Cincinnati area. And we have some that even drives two hours away just to come and serve it several times a, a month. And, mm. and it's because for them is their outreach church, right? I mean, they, for them, that's what they want to do. They want to be a part of an outreach church, but for the people that come, the people that we were reaching, the people that we're ministering to is not an outreach church. It is their church. Right. And they take ownership of it. I've been there. They set up yep. the tables. They set up the food. They, they take ownership of it. And so I'm going to pitch this hard question to Carl. Yep. And if he fumbles a little bit, James, you can bail him out. Um, <laughs> It's a fair question that I get asked all the time about dinner church. Obviously, my answer is read the Bible, um, but I don't want to get people too mad at me. But they're always asking, what well, what makes a dinner church a church? And how is that any different than just a feeding? And uh, so, Carl, I'm going to pitch that one to you uh, and what then let Jim. Jim's going to be the cleanup on that one. Okay. What makes a dinner church a church is because it does everything that a church does uh the, the we every time we open the doors we're we're preaching the gospel of jesus we're telling jesus stories we're doing discipleship around tables we are baptizing we are praying we are worshiping uh everything that a church does is done at a dinner church the only exception being is that it looks a whole lot different we're sitting we're we're preaching the gospel over mashed potatoes and so that it's simple. A dinner church is a church. And the folks that come consider that their church. It's not a theater to go into another church. The dinner church is a church. So that's, that's my Good. simple answer to the question. Yeah. James. Yeah, absolutely. All the people are reaching, you know, they're not coming to church on those Sunday mornings, but when yeah. whenever that dinner church is, and, and no matter what context, with, whether it's the rural area, or whether it's in the hood, or in the projects, or under the bridge ministering to hundreds of homeless people, like I said, that is their church. And what I love about under the bridge, they're coming to church twice a week, every Monday, every Thursday, they're getting the word. And what makes this a church a church is like is like uh, what Carl said. We do all the elements, everything that a local church does, we do, but we're actually doing it to reach the un, the lost, the unchurched, the people that are not coming in. We have worship. We worship. We we fellowship. We have lots of fellowship. We sit down. We fellowship. We get to know each other. We walk life with these people. That's that's true fellowship and discipleship right there. Uh, we teach and preach every time. It's not a feeding. We're not a soup kitchen. We're a church. But we do meet practical needs, and that's what the church is supposed to be doing. Not only preaching the gospel, but meeting the practical needs. Who's going to cut my hair? Who's going to give me a pair of clothes? Who's going to feed my belly? Those are great elements. And we, the church, not the government, that's the church's responsibility. Isaiah 58, verse number Come seven. Come on. Tells now you're preaching. Has not this the fast I have chosen you to, says the Lord. You know, so we got to get back to the basics. Yes. 
Yes. This is simple gospel. You want to reach your community. You know, I, we love these revival services. I'm part, I'm preaching several revival uh, across America right now, but can I tell you something? We got to do things that's going to reach our community, not get people to drive 30 miles to our revival service, but how are we going to reach people in our backyard that are literally dying on heroin while we're having church one block away? Come on now. What See. churches do right there. And Come so on. we have evangelism. We have compassion. It's all the elements of a church. We do baptisms right there. We do communion and, and we have salvations. Man, you want to talk about salvations. You want to see salvations? Start a dinner church. We see at least 15, 20 salvations every week. Every week. Amen. Amen. We, we cast healers. out demons out of people right under the, if they manifest, we cast them out. I don't look yeah. for them, but if it manifests itself, guess what? We get rid of them. We lay hands on people, signs, miracles, and wonders. We're the church. Yep. Come on. That's powerful. Come on now. I get excited about that. I think that one of the challenges that like typical, I, I have to describe it this way for lack of a better term, but typical Western church mentality is, well, if we don't do church the way the Western American church does church, it's not church, but read the scriptures. And so one of the challenges they put out there is about discipleship, like how are you making disciples? And before you guys answer that, I want to just note, number one, is if you read the scriptures, that Jesus always made disciples around in circles, not in rows. Exactly. And he did life with people. He sat with them. He, he called the 12 to himself. And yes, there was teaching involved. Absolutely, there was proclamation. But there was a whole lot of relationship involved and apprenticeship involved. And see, it, there's no better way to do that then through, I mean, dinner church is one of the best ways to do it because the people that call them, call this their church, they get to serve, they get to learn, they get to be, sit around tables and talk with somebody. And, and so hit on that a little bit about how you guys address discipleship. I'll start this one with James. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Al. Yeah. So discipleship, you know, is not about having people know certain facts and certain scriptures and everything, but it's about behavior change. And so we literally sit down, we walk life with these people, and that's what discipleship is. We walk life with them, and um, we walk them through their struggles, and, and it's not just, like I said, um, yes, helping them quote those scriptures is important, but who's going to walk life with them and pray with them at 2 a.m. in the morning when they're struggling, thinking about heroin and everything else? And, and so a church usually is inward focus, but a dinner church is outward focus, and, and I think uh, you know, that discipleship um, element, it is challenging if you look at it the way that churches are doing uh, discipleship classes. But if you look at the lives that are being transformed, you could say, wow, these people are getting it. And um, Jesus, you know, we have the Great Commission is in two passages. You know, we have some pastors, they love focusing on Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and it's big on discipleship. And if you look at Mark 16, 15 through 20, it's big on evangelism and going out, winning the lost and, and signs and miracles and wonders. Both of those are important. And I like to look at Jesus as the greatest example. He preached and fed and ministered to multitudes, but he discipled the few. And then those disciples discipled a few. And then those disciples discipled a few. I call it each one reach one. Yeah, good. 
Carl, you want to add to that? Um, the discipleship method is organic. It's like we're not sitting there going through discipleship 101, 201, 301, home base, or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. But the discipleship is just part of relationship and, and normal conversation around tables where we're not trying to just teach. Teaching is important, but that's not what necessarily transforms a person. It's the, the relationship, the learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. Jesus discipled his, his disciples by, okay, and he would show them this is how you do it and then tell them to go out and do it. So, now, Carl, let me add this too, or let you comment on this, that most people, if they don't experience it, they hear James say, hey, it's very evangelistic, but I don't think they understand what he means when he's, he's talking about, like, there is, you are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Tell them a little bit, Carl, about the kerygma piece of a dinner church and how valuable that is. Well, we call it simply the Jesus story. We're telling the stories of Jesus or, or what he said to his disciples in the red letters. Uh, that's not to say the rest of the scripture is not valuable because it is. It's absolutely inspired by God. But we're focusing on exactly just what Jesus said and what Jesus did. And so we'll spend uh, 10, 12 minutes uh, just telling a Jesus story. And then asking the questions afterward uh, around the tables. Hey, what'd you think about the, the story? Uh, how do you have to change in order to bring your life into, into adjustment with the story? Uh, how can we help you? Come on back. We're going to talk some more. And like James says, during the week, if somebody gives us a call and says, hey, I got a problem, whatever, we're there. But it, it, it happens very organically. It, uh, it's not, a, like you said, a bunch of people sitting in rows, uh, just learning something, putting it in their brain, but also putting it into action. Mm. Yes. So, I mean, and I think one of the most important things is we need to get a solid definition of what we would call a disciple of Jesus. But in my mind, a, a disciple is, is somebody who, who knows the story of Jesus, is transformed by it, um, who's modeling the character of Jesus and who's living out the mission of Jesus wherever they go. And that doesn't happen. It's it. There were classroom settings where Jesus taught, but he sent them out to go. And so I think it's the balance of all of it is discipleship. So I love your definitions. So uh, James, get a little specific with me. Like, what are some positive differences that you're seeing your dinner churches make? And we're not trying to compare them to other churches, we're right. just saying when the church is on the street and in the community where the needs are, right. you start to see transformation. Amen. And that is uh, the big key there is transformation. We're seeing lives that are being completely transformed by the power of God. Um, you know, I think um, as far as church, you know, uh, the way that we have always done it, and I believe we should think differently. You know, if we always do what we always done, we always get what we always had. This is thinking out of the box is thinking outwardly instead of inwardly. And that's the difference. Yes. We're not thinking about how we can draw all of these people to build our little kingdom, you know, and, and it's very transactional that way. And I believe the church yeah. functions uh, mainly transactionally and not relationally. And, and what the dinner church does in the communities, you're reaching the people in the community where you're actually planted or where you're planting these dinner churches. 
And, and that's the main huge difference is we're outward focused and not inward focused. So give me, um, well, first of all, let me say this. Here's the thing that's so encouraging is that we have, and Carl, you can back this up, maybe think of some cases, but we have pastors all over this state that some of them are larger churches, but most of them are smaller, salt of the earth type of churches, hundred people or less. And they're saying exactly what you're saying, James, like this is a way that our church can get outside the building and reach people that we just have not been able to reach. And it, what's really exciting is, is we're not talking about superstars. We're talking about solid earth leaders that are getting it done. Carl, you can probably think of several, give me a couple instances. Well, the, the one that comes immediately to mind is Gomer, Ohio, a town of about 213 people and a lay leader in, in the, in the church in Delphus came to one of our dinner church encounters and the spirit spoke to her and said, go start one in uh, Gomer. And so this is not a, a pastor or anybody else, but she got the training, she and her husband, and they opened their church in Gomer, their dinner church in Gomer in a uh, outdoor pavilion. And they're reaching 25, 26 people every time they open the door. And now they're talking about moving a dinner church down into the next village down the road. And it's, it's simple to do. That's the wonderful thing is it's something that any disciple of Christ can go ahead and do. And that's the story that sticks out quickest. Yeah. Yeah. And we got, we got dinner churches happening and coffee, coffee shops in yeah. small towns. Um, we got in Canton, Ohio. They, of course they got three going. Um, one's a celebrate recovery type of approach. So they're discipling people through celebrate recovery and doing dinner church connected there. So many, many different settings. And, and I'm just so proud. Like we had one church the, in, in Dayton, Ohio, Bethel assembly. Now this is a, what you would call a anchor church in the assemblies. They've been around a long time, been at their present site a long time. And yet that pastor and his team was open to something new. And they launched this dinner church right there in the heart of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, that church is thriving. That And the people that are volunteering, there's a, there, it grows and grows, James, just like you said. Because I believe vision brings energy to, mm. to true followers of Jesus. Like, yes. if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, you better give me a, a reason to follow and something to go to. Because <laughs> I don't want to just sit around and be a follower. You don't sit around and follow. So this church, this old church is being energized like never before. Um, and I just love that. Now, James, tell me, uh, give me, give us a quick story or two of some people that you can think of that are being changed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially under that bridge, you know, um, they come addicted and afflicted and um, broken. And, um, and we just, um, I, I can remember Cameron, he came to us when I first started the dinner church um, about 14 months ago under the bridge. And it was it was one of those nights where you weren't even supposed to be on the road, but we showed up anyway. Yeah, we wow. still got there. And they just, uh, and there was 45, 50 homeless people standing there says, wow, we cannot believe that you actually came tonight. Well, one of them, and I have the picture on my phone that I took that night. His name was Cameron. He he was young, a very young boy atheist um, was hurt and broken he was homeless 
And um, he really didn't want nothing to do with God, but he kept coming every week. We kept loving on him and building that relationship with him. He finally opened his heart to the Lord, you know, a few months later. And then um, we baptized him in a river. Jerry Paoli took him down to the river. He followed the Lord in obedience and water baptism. And he comes and serves now. And, and that's what we see. A lot of our workers, man, if you go and check out our workers, they're not only coming from churches, but half of our workers are people that are still currently homeless, but their lives have been transformed. They've been impacted by the power of God and they want to give back. And so mm -hmm. just don't know which worker is actually homeless and which worker is a millionaire down the road, yeah. you know, and that's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. And it, that's true discipleship. I mean, you got the people that think they came to volunteer, but they're realizing, wait a minute, I'm not volunteering. These are actually part of God's family and I'm growing as they grow. And, uh, that's pretty cool. So Carl, can you think of a story real quick to share? And then I put, I'm going to, we're going to talk about how people can get connected to dinner church. Sure. Uh, this, this just comes from our dinner church in Wisconsin. And I want to preface this by saying that uh, we call dinner church slow cooker church is it, it happens naturally and organically uh, in the midst of relationships. Uh, we had a family who would come to our dinner church and they would only talk in monosyllables. They wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't converse. They just wanted the food. And as, as a matter of fact, they tried to beat me out of the building every time I, uh, right before I went up to give the Jesus story. And that went on for about a year, a year and a half. And then a crisis in the, the daughter's life. It was a cancer diagnosis. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Now I was their pastor. Now they needed me to pray for them. Now they wanted me to come to the hospital and tell their whole family about this Jesus I've been talking about and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I will have to say, unfortunately, most of that didn't happen because of COVID. But just seeing that transformation, and it was a result of seeds just being planted every time we opened the door, time after time. And uh, so there was a transformation there that was dramatic. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk about miracles, James, you said it too, but I, I've heard Carl and others talk about how like it wasn't some super evangelist laying hands on people, although they have the gift, many evangelists have the gift of healing, but also lay people have the gift of healing. And so sometimes sitting around a table, someone says a need, I got cancer or something, and they pray around the table and next thing you know, God heals somebody. So so many stories of life change, people getting baptized. And so I, I just Can want this real quick. Yeah, go ahead. There's nothing like the table that says family, you it's know, right. what I mean? family. When, when I yes. think about the, I'm sitting at the table right now, but this is our family table. And that's where face to face, that's where relationships are built. That's where uh, a lot of connections take place. And that's what these dinner church do. So here's what I tell every pastor. You want to decline? Keep doing what you're doing. You want to just survive? Keep doing what you're doing. You want to add what you're just add a few seats every week and a few people? Keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to multiply, start a dinner church. That's true. yeah. There you go. Yeah. I didn't pay him to say that. I didn't pay him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's right on there. So praise the Lord. Now, Carl, um, I put in the chat box if anybody wants to learn more about dinner church, uh, go to Ohio CMN dot com backslash dinner church and uh you can write to carl and he can respond to your email 
You can apply for dinner church grants. We give out uh, dinner church grants for those that are diving in or are going to be like consistent with it and they are all in and we're going to give an investment. It's okay to test the waters and all that, but I think the best way you got to do this thing is go all in, you know, yeah. don't be doing dinner church. Like Carl and James said, don't start a dinner church to grow your, your regular church that will add people. But if you want to multiply, you got to send it out. You know, you got to plant seeds beyond your building. And so Ohio cmn.com slash backslash dinner church and Carl will follow through. Um, any other any other thing, Carl, about them plugging in what they need to do? Uh, well, I just want to say is if um, anybody anybody watching here wants to start a dinner church and doesn't know where to start, give me a call and I'll start talking to you. And, it, and also, I provide training. So if you want to learn how to do a dinner church, we'll set it up. And if you give me two two and a half hours, uh, I'll have you have you going. So that's right. And then you got a whole, we got a team of people that have been trained, uh, even through a master's level course in dinner church that are working with Carl, a team of at least five to six quarterbacks that are all over the region. They're practitioners, they're doing it. And, uh, we got some excellent leaders that get yes. it. I mean, they get the theology of this and the, so that we call it the orthodoxy and the orthoproxy, right? They're practicing it and they got it down. So, um, well, we thank you guys for joining us, James Turner. I'm going to ask you to, to pray a, a blessing over the people that are listening, uh, that multiplication anointing blessing. And, uh, right after he prays that we're going to, we're going to just kind of say goodbye and, uh, just ask you to follow through. Go ahead, James. Amen. So father God, we thank you. You are such a faithful God and Lord, you have done wonderful things in the Ohio ministry network. And we praise you for every church every community, for every life that has already been saved and delivered and healed and transformed by the power of God. But God, you have called us to win the lost. It's not your will that any should perish, but all come to repentance, Father God. And I pray that every pastor, every church leader in the Ohio Ministry Network would, would get the vision, get a strategy for, to win their communities. Yes. And Lord, you have given us a tool you have given us a strategy. It's the table. So, Father, I pray that you would speak, that you would encourage, that you yes. would inspire, that you would challenge, and, God, that you would even rebuke pastors that are complacent mm. and not moving forward. You're coming quickly, Lord, and I pray for a mighty harvest of souls in yes. the Ohio Ministry Network. Ohio for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we thank everybody for joining us at the Ohio for Jesus podcast here where we believe our state motto that comes from God with God, all things are possible. Yep. Um, if you want to follow through with Ohio dinner church, you could do that online. And if you want to support brother James Turner and uh, the work that he's doing all around the state of Ohio uh, and support him as a missionary, you can do that also and uh, just kind of write to us and we'll give you his information. God bless everyone. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and we'll tune in again next time. Know that we as a network are praying for you. And if you would like more information on how you and your team can get more involved with the Ohio Ministry Network and Ohio for Jesus, visit ohioministry.net.